0: hi this is ken and i'm an alcoholic
1: and my name is erin and i'm an alcoholic and this is podcast not perfection
2: <laughs>
0: <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone.
1: Did everybody like Brian's intro?
0: Yeah, we had a little cameo from Brian. We
1: really did because he was just up here <laughs> and we said, hey.
0: No, also because today we have a special episode. Yes. He helped set up some things that we couldn't set up. So big shout out to our, I guess, producer, Brian.
1: Producer, Brian. He's an unpaid position, Brian.
0: Sorry, but actually we've got some money from around. It's like
1: $22. $29. $29. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah thanks my boyfriend supports our podcast (laughs) (laughs) he has a monthly subscription i didn't ask him to i didn't tell him to he just did it for fun nor
0: are we asking anyone else to
1: no but if you want to um i was gonna say that thing. so yeah we have a special guest Mm -hmm. coming Mm -hmm. on um in a little bit we just wanted to share our growth first before we have him on um what did you have any growth this week yes i did
0: so last week we talked about resolutions
1: wait can we oh. should we introduce our podcast first yeah we can do that i think we should probably tell people that it's this is podcast not perfection, perfection. Ooh, and this is a podcast recovery, recovery hope, hope and strength, strength. Now you can. Tell them, <laughs> now you can. Tell there was some deep eye contact. There. I know. So <laughs> we're Okay, so we normally sit across from each other, but now we're touching knees. This is where This is where we used to sit, though. Is it?
0: Yeah, we first had the little block
1: microphone. Oh yeah, we had.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, when. back in July. Oh my goodness! Wow, how we've grown. Oh, wow,
0: how we have.
1: And look at us now. So now we're using a different. We're going to be using a different software yeah. platform today. Ooh. We're going to be like. Talking to someone remote. Yeah, this is
0: it's scary. It's scary, awesome though. It's because scary, awesome. Even though there's a little bit of like fear and anxiety behind this,
1: mm-hmm. my armpits are sweating. Once,
0: once we do it, we're gonna be like high five and like,
1: yeah. Feel by. how sweating my palms. Are. That's
0: gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's gonna be so great. Yeah, And then like the next time we do, it's going to get easier and easier. And then we're going to be like professional podcasters.
1: Oh Maybe goodness. one day
0: people will know us.
1: Do you think? I don't
0: really care. Honestly. I don't care either. I'm just more concerned about yeah. sending the message that we want to send and making sure it's our brand and we can put our names on it and I, be happy about I
1: it. I agree with you. Oh, yeah. Is that our growth this that week? That might be our growth Ooh. this week. Yeah, because I don't want to waste too much time on us yes, because yes. I do want to introduce our guest. Mm-hmm. Do, do you want to do a quick introduction before we get him on? Yeah. Because you, you uh, know, know him. I, <laughs> so,
0: I don't. <laughs> I, know, I was waiting for you to interrupt. like, no. Nah. <laughs> um, our guest this week is my recovery coach/slash/life coach. However, I think recovery coach is the correct term for him. Uh, his name is Andrew Moses, he's from Australia. I almost said it with an accent, but Australia. I thought... Just like that. But I thought it might be a little gimmicky, so I didn't.
1: Australia. <laughs>
0: um, he's been working with me since, I believe, September.
1: Yeah, I remember when you first yeah. started working with him, because that was a big he, deal. I think he actually him. got
0: mentioned in the very first episode, because we were... I you great, were
1: just starting. Yeah,
0: he, had, he was, like, on vacation or something, so we, we weren't going to meet but right But you were away. in the
1: talks yes. to meet with him. And,
0: um, yeah, he's the one that really helped me sort of... Uh, take what i had from aa and everything that i had in my life that was working for me that like was shining through and all that that made me happy and like sort of like help expand it he helped me find these things in life that i can focus on and like strive to achieve and it was uh it's been um an amazing uh turnaround for me like I've, i've lost weight i have different habits and like i think that that's super important for me in my recovery and I think the message that I wanna highlight with Andrew specifically is like, you need to do what you need to do for your sobriety. Like if AA works, that's all you need, amazing. Like that's one stop shop, like that's awesome. But if you need some like life coach, you need some uh, some sort of activity to help mold you and grow you like a podcast or something, or like doing like our friend Melissa does with a nonprofit, I'm sure she's got a lot of growth out of that, mm-hmm. um, it's sort of like a little jigsaw puzzle and you gotta figure out what pieces fit. And like, these are the pieces that fit for me. And so we thought it was prudent to have him on and, and share about.
1: And talk about his own experience. Exactly. I'm so yes. excited. Yes. I'm excited because I've, this is kind of why we wanted to start this podcast is to get different perspectives yeah. on how people recover. Because mm-hmm. what we do is AA and that's just what's worked for us. Mm-hmm. And that's all we've talked about yes. so far.
0: <laughs> there was a time <laughs> where we talked about talking about other types. But.
1: I think I mentioned Dharma once, yes. but I haven't ever been to a meeting. I was actually thinking about this today that we should go to a Dharma meeting together. I would love to. Yeah. And then we can do like a Dharma episode, mm-hmm. but so I'm just really excited to get a different perspective on, on recovery mm-hmm. and to just have a new person on and to listen to his, his sweet, sweet accent. For, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess, I guess we're going to keep this part pretty brief and mm-hmm. get right into it. So um, when we come back, we'll have the intro We'll have, us. there'll be three of us on. There'll be three, there'll of, three of us. us. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> with like,
0: w- with what? We can do whatever.
1: Oh, hi. Welcome back everyone. <laughs> Is every recording? Oh,
2: yeah, no, okay. we're doing we're oh, on.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh so we have Andrew. This is Andrew everyone. Andrew here with us. Hi Andrew.
0: Hey guys, how are you both? Good. Doing good. So uh side note, we're not gonna put the we are only gonna use the audio on this. So I said here mm-hmm. he is. But just if that just to I just felt I got like myself all pretty here. for you as well. I did my hair I shaved my hair. And
2: I'm not even going to show up anywhere. What's what's the point? Well,
0: I mean, I did shower for this too, so I, I did. <laughs> it came right after work. I put a little effort in, but not too much, not too much. Well, thank you for the effort. We appreciate
1: it.
0: Thank that. you. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're just pretty much going to uh, uh roll with it and have like a little nice little conversation and everything and we'll um did you freeze? Yeah, we froze for a second, but I'm back now. Oh, oh
1: we we're are. back! We're back. Okay.
0: This is gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be fun.
2: <laughs> Wait, let me just—I'm I'm gonna change over to my um, phone Wi-Fi just so it's, at least my connection is gonna be like as good as it can be. One oh, second. Okay.
1: Hold on. Yeah, hold I feel on. like my phone usually works better to with video for some reason, like the connection mm-hmm. yeah. when I use Zoom and stuff.
0: My phone's been crap in the bed recently. I don't know why. All right, perfect.
2: All right. That should be that's I've got my best connection going. So um let's go for
0: Fabulous. it. Fabulous. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. All right. So um yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and like uh yeah, we'll start with that.
2: All right. Well, I'm Andrew. Um I am from Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> um and um I am currently in my life I'm a life coach. Um uh I coach people all around the world um with drug and alcohol problems um and um yeah I'm an ex problem uh, like I, I used to have a problem with drugs myself um yeah and we'll get into all that but yes, basically I'm a life coach I'm from Melbourne Australia um I'm 35 years old if that's relevant um uh, yes that's who I am
0: Nice, nice. so speaking of being an ex problem user what um what was your experience with addiction or um, using and what kind of like led you to sort of being free from that sort of demon in your in your life, so to speak.
2: All right, so um, all right, this is obviously a long story, so I'm going to start the story at the beginning, and you can guys can ask questions along the way. Mm-hmm. But, um, Ooh, okay. So, <laughs> so basically, I mean, because there's so many layers. Um, I mean, I'll tell you exactly what I'll tell you what happened to me, and then I'll tell you what I've been able to work out since uh, the reasons why, cause I think that's relevant as well. Um, so basically, um, uh, probably at the start at the age of 18, like many people I started using, um, party drugs. Um, at the time I was in the closet, um, which I think has a huge bearing on, um, my pathway into drugs. Um, and it's sort of been my unique space um, in this coaching TikTok online space is like sort of connecting the idea of, um, a lot of us who grew up in the closet and a lot of what that means, which I think we'll get into today. Cause I think it's really important. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. Ken is uh, someone that I coach. Um, and we've connected on that, on that front as well. Um, so yeah, so basically I was in the closet I used party drugs. Um, it was a way to fit in, um, and, you know, be around all my friends. And at the age of 22, um, when all of my other friends were sort of like, you Know calming down, I was like, Where's the hard stuff? Um, and so with <laughs> yeah. the 22 that I found Oxycontin, I found a um, uh, I found a bag of um, uh, my grandmother's drugs in my house. Um, oh. she was a big Nana. time opioid user, Nana was a big time opioid user. Um, morphine, <laughs> Oxycontin, oh,
1: um, man.
2: I mean, it was like literally the jackpot. Um, and at that point in my life, I was just so lost, I had no idea who I was. Um, I was just trying to hide myself away, um, mm. you know, uh, identityless. really. I was just, like, play-acting at life, um, trying to just hide the fact that I was actually, like, a little gay boy um, and I didn't know who I was. And so I think in that moment, uh, OxyContin really was, um, it was exactly what it was meant to be, which is, um, it was a way to numb and escape, you know? Um, Heck yeah. yeah. and so, um, so- uh, yeah.
1: At this point in your story, are you still in the closet and you're still trying to hide everything and you're still kind of just pushing everything down, it sounds like?
2: Yes, yes. So I'm I'm still in the closet at 22. I come out when okay. I'm 24. Um, okay. But I am the type of I am the type of in the closet that was I was hiding it for myself as well, which is sort of like the oh. I, mean, I can't remember Ken. What you, I can't remember Ken. What your story is, but I think there's like a few different types of in the closet. There's either mm-hmm. okay. The, the most common story I think for gay men at least we'll talk about. Um, is that maybe like around 17, 18, you're kind of like, you know what, this is, um, there's something going on with me. And um, I think when it come out, even if it's going to be half of my family, or there are those of us that seem to hold on for longer. Um, I think against the backdrop of I'm Jewish and I lived in a close knit Jewish community, not religious, but very traditional. Um, they all, it's a community. There's a lot of communities all over the world. Um, that all fled um, Eastern Europe after the war. So there's a very much like a immigrant fleeing war mentality and a lot of that is to do with like you will marry a woman you will have kids you will keep it in the family um a lot of that kind of pressure is just like assumed i went to a jewish school so i think against that backdrop i found it really hard to accept my gayness um and it meant that i dated women until the age of 24 um but it was a fucking struggle i really i didn't i didn't like i didn't like any of it i didn't like any of it i was forcing myself um even engaging sexually it was all a real mess for me trying to do it and drugs came in to fill that void i mean it was it was oh, really yeah. the best way i knew how to cope and deal and escape from that so yeah so at 22 when i find up content i am in the closet um i would say deep in the closet because i hadn't even had an experience with a man before um i mean it would have been obvious like there's a lot of a lot of signs in my life <laughs> that were pointing there but i, I didn't want to say it i didn't want to say it it's like, it's like <laughs> yes it's like yeah it's are you the, are you the same what was your, what's your what's your coming out story yes
0: so I, um, like, people had picked it out all a bunch of times, uh, like, in college and stuff like that. And I I was like, no, no, you're wrong. Because um, I was, like, afraid to let people in know. In college? But yeah, I didn't know that. It, but, but just at the same time as people were still kind of, like, picking it out because I was becoming more comfortable. Okay. With, with me, I think that I was still trying to hide it, which was harder as time went on. But I met this group of women on um, my floor. It was my sophomore year of college. And they introduced me to alcohol. And it was like a moment of like all this pressure that I... All these secrets, all these things that I kept mm-hmm. inside were like released. And they weren't... They were still over my head, but they weren't on my shoulders. And it felt like I was weightless. And like, this is the best feeling I felt in 20 years. Which was how old I was. And I was just like, that. this is it. I've made it.
1: Right. We call that the our solution, right? Our yes. solution to...
0: So that's why, life yeah, drinking became my solution for everything because it allowed me to be someone I wanted to be, but I couldn't be that person, only through my own, uh, like boundaries I put in with myself almost. But, uh, yeah, just one night, this woman asked, this girl asked, we were young then, I guess. She's like, "Are you gay?" And I'm like, "Yep," and I felt my whole body tingle, and I'm like, "This is the first time I've told any single human being other than myself," and like, it just felt good to say it. Um. And then I was like, that was like that point. I was like, if they ask him to say yes, I don't care. I'm not going to go out and tell everyone, but I'm going to say yes. My parents didn't know yet. So I told my parents later that year, we were on vacation. I just turned 21, and we went to happy hour. And I was feeling good. I was feeling light. We're on vacation. I'm happy. So we got back to the house that we were staying at, renting at. And like, I've had like two drinks, but I'm like feeling good. I'm happy, all that. And I was like, everyone, I've got something to say. Okay. And my sister. <laughs> who I love dearly, was like, what, are you gay? And I was like, yeah. Oh. So everyone had a different reaction. My, my, <laughs> si- my sister was excited. My brother was like, why is he doing this now? My father was confused, and my mother just started crying.
1: Oh, so like was, happy tears?
0: No, God no.
1: Oh.
0: It was, um, well, not unhappy, really. Okay. It was just a, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all's well now. It, it was just a fun memory that we all don't talk about really frankly
1: you know what I never until I met Ken really put it together that just inherently society puts this pressure on men just the way the status quo that we're all brought up like you said Andrew you're just expected to marry a woman like from like very early on and you don't even get a say it's just
0: you could have done this to like just people society like,
1: yeah oh, societal pressures yeah and i don't know why i never really thought of that right before ken shared that with me like i think that was kind of your experience too right yeah. like you were just expected to be this way and you were just not yeah
2: yeah i think what's um <clears throat> what's what is cool is that as i engage with like younger people now especially in the big cities i think there is a lot more space for queerness and gayness, mm-hmm. um, from a young age. Um, but yeah, like, so where, where me, me and, um, me and Ken are a similar, um, uh, age cohort, like in our mid thirties mm. when we were growing up and it's not even that long ago. Um, <laughs> but it was just assumed, like every single message we got from anywhere, like, uh, advertising, uh, billboards, uh, movies, yeah. TV shows, was like, even just like the jokes. Even just like, I was, I've been watching like, you know, you watch old like Simpsons or whatever, and it's just like, even the old Simpsons episode, which I obs- obsessed with, um, there's <laughs> just like an undercurrent that like the boys like the girls. Like the boy, of course, mm-hmm. the boys are infatuated with the girls. Like, of course, why wouldn't you be? You know, you know, Lisa, that one where Lisa gets like really pretty and she gets really hot, and like all the boys are like googling <laughs> her. It's just like, but like, for me, I watched that back and I remember it triggering inside of me, like a feeling like, oh, my feelings are then wrong. Like my feelings are, um. and this led to like a really big, this led to a really big um, theme in my life, which I've been able to let like, go of now. But a big theme that dr- drove a lot of my drug use, which is that I'm broken and defective. Like this real sort of yeah. like narrative mm-hmm. that like the deep core part of me is broken. I think a lot of us that use drugs or alcohol um, heavily um, have this sort of like broken defectiveness um, uh, schema. Uh, that we sort of play out. And I think that for me, it obviously relates into a lot of my drug use, and it was very clear, just like Ken, like I took Oxycontin and I was like, Oh my God, that all those voices are shut off for a second. Um, what a fucking yeah. dream. And so mm. it's almost unsurprising <laughs> right. and that's sort of, it's literally unsurprising. And this is what I get now when I coach people. So I coach at the moment, I coach only, Not by, kind of by choice, but like I coach gay, queer men, basically. Um, I don't, I mean, I have women that reach out to me. None of them have sort of like come on as clients just yet, but I feel really comfortable. I think we have a particular experience in life. And it's not to say that we're the only ones that are damaged. It's just like, I, that is my own personal lived experience. So I feel very Mm -hmm. comfortable speaking to them because there are some very, very common themes that come up, which is this broken defectiveness, lots of shame, and lots of like overachieving to prove that you're actually fine. Um, and so it's sort of like an easy in to understanding like childhood, um, uh, lessons, um, as you, as we grow older. So yeah. And, and it becomes like, I can literally have a chat with someone, like I'll get them, they come from all over the world. They'll will write to me and I'll speak to them for like one hour and I'll be like, it's pretty obvious what's going on with you. How has no one picked this up before? It's like, if someone <laughs> was to sit down with me when I was 24 like it it should have been obvious what was going on and why i was like self-destructing with drugs but um there was just no one there to do that for me so that's what i try to do now for people
1: you know yeah, i love that yeah and it is like that i that common denominator when you were speaking i was thinking yeah it's all those feelings i think every drug addict every alcoholic it all starts with that void right and we fill it (laughs) with the drugs and the alcohol. And so how do you, so I know what I do in my daily life to fill that today. What do you, what do you do? Like, what do you, how do you coach your clients? How do you um, teach them to self fill that hole? instead of reaching mm-hmm. out to outside things, I guess. Does that make sense, yeah. that question?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, so yes, I think just to put some words to how I understand um, how I understand um, uh, why people turn to drugs or substances, I think it's often like escape, numbing, self-soothing. Um, I think those mm-hmm. kind of words are like usually ones that I use, and I think it usually fits most um, situations. Um, Definitely escape and numbing. It all seems to be escape and numbing. Just like a a, a removal from the present moment, which can be very, very difficult for people to exist in um, and be Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it's filled. I think that, so this is where um, our experience as gay men, at least I'll talk about us closeted. I think, So the way to understand it, like in terms of like a trauma is that it disconnects us from our authentic selves. Like, so basically I see like a split. It's like, it's like a -hmm. a, a running away from ourselves and knowing ourselves and who we are and what we like and all that kind of stuff. So I think the process for me is like a simple, it's like, it's a complex one, but it's a simple one, which is, it means it's reconnecting to yourself. It's reconnecting to yourself and repairing that relationship with yourself, which I think gets very damaged. The relationship with ourselves becomes Mm -hmm. like very dysfunctional. The language we use with ourselves, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can resonate, is like, yeah. disgusting. It's so like mean, so mean. It's it's like, so, this, mean. <laughs> like, so I, I talk about like, um, like shame, guilt, judgment, um, self loathing, self criticism. Like, it's sort of like that rules the day. And I think a lot of my task with people and with myself has been, I'm doing that. I think often, um, uh, Yeah, that's the sort of, that's the internal environment. And so like, there's no wonder that like, you have to like escape and numb that because it's a nasty, nasty place to be. Um, And I think it comes from so many places, like it comes from our childhood, um, it's something that we learn. We, I think we, th- this is the main thing is that, like, we don't, we aren't born that way. Like, you know, we're not mm-hmm. little babies. Like, they're like, there's like, when you see someone who's like two, three, four years old, like, un- undamaged and unscathed, it's like, <laughs> there's announce? a yeah. bright, <laughs> there's, you know what I mean? There's a bright airiness. There's like a playfulness and an engagement with life. You would never, it's like, it's only once you get weighed down by all the bullshit as you grow up. Mm. So, yes. it's not a part, it's, it's not like an inherent part of us and it can be undone. Um, and replacing that with like love, compassion, kindness, nurturing, all the good stuff. Um, uh, I mean, this has been Ken's, this has been, if I can mention, this has been like our, yeah, go I, for what it. I've done with Ken, really. Right. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's it, it, uh, I think a lot of the nastiness, uh, and a, a lot of them, it's the start of the spiral is often, and this is where, so people come to me and like, they'll be using or whatever. And like, I don't make, I know you guys are both, um, tall steppers. I think you're both like tall steppers. Yeah. And so, like, oh a lot yeah. lot like, like, big on that. Hard fast. Hard and fast sobriety is like really a cornerstone of um, twelve step. Um, Like it's sort of like the be all and end all. It's like the it's the moral imperative, the moral good. Uh, I just don't necessarily agree with that, Um, and I don't think it serves a lot of people. So people come to me in whatever way they want. I think people punish themselves for using drugs a lot, Um, and I think people punish themselves. They get really down on themselves. They feel like defeated, broken, like a fuck up. Like they don't deserve any better. And so just allowing them to like exit that space. And I think often talking to me as someone who's been through it and has come out the other side. And I have this like, sort of like, not a magical power, but it's like a really nice ability to allow people to like sit and like, just try and dissipate some of that judgment and allow them to find some like self love, self care, self compassion to then make better choices in their life. So you asking about my life now, what replaces it? I mean, it's been a complex story, really. Um, my work, it gives me a huge amount of meaning and purpose which I think is the ultimate goal you got I think Tall Step has the same sort of like idea around like meaning and purpose
1: right Um, helping others I think is the last is the goal there like giving it back and so I mean I'm like incredibly grateful and it's like
2: I mean, sometimes I wonder how the hell I found myself. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like what I found myself doing, which is like sort of forging this new way in the world of like coaching people. Um, and I have this like big presence on TikTok, and it's just all really fun. And I have people reaching out to me all the time telling me how much I've helped them. So like, I get that in spades. So that obviously fills my cup. Um, but then yeah. on a personal mm-hmm. lifestyle level, I um, invest in my body and look after my body just all day, every day. Like it's all I do is look after my health. I just make sure that I am on top of it because I think that, um, heavy drug use is like a full frontal onslaught right on your health and your well-being and your sensitivity. And it's just like a, it's so damaging. So I feel like the antidote to that for me has been finding ways to nurture and love and care for myself. And one of the main avenues is through my body. Um, and I like, I do yoga, I go to the gym, I go outside walking. Um, so that's how I sort of, deal with and calm myself down when i'm feeling activated and all that kind of stuff so just finding new modalities and new coping tools really um, and that's what me and ken have done together as well so ken's ken's, yeah. ken's nodding in the background there so I'm um, yes yeah. uh, that's that's my answer to your question
0: yeah yeah th- that's definitely been like one of the like the more recent like cornerstone, so to speak of my own like life now and like my covering car- and everything like it ebbs and flows sometimes but like when i Feel like I don't have a direction in the moment. Like I just take a walk, or I go to the gym, or I do something like that because I I've seen it, and that's something that I I think I've mentioned on our podcast is like if once I see it in action for myself, I can't deny it, and I know it's like something that I can go back to and use whenever. So like being like physically active in some regard has always put me in a better place than where I was before. I, you know,
1: move a muscle, change a thought. Literally, that's like what I keep thinking of.
0: I've heard that one before. Oh, Love yeah, it, but it pretty, like, yeah, it's pretty
1: much... I've, I've heard that in treatment. That's like okay. a treatment thing. But yeah,
0: that's pretty much it.
1: I think
2: um, I think I think it's really important. I think um, we're never for some reason it's like it should be like a syllabus at school, but like self regulation <laughs> or like regulating our nervous system or like coping because we all have I stuff agree. to cope with. Like it's like we are never taught it, and I think that um, our society um, elevates substances. Um, I mean alcohol it's like oh, yeah. everyone's drinking alcohol i'm like how is everyone yeah. it's just wild it's like but it's, it's it's everyone's ways of dealing and i'm not judging them for that it's literally all we have but our body internally has an incredible capacity for self-regulation and coping um and soothing um it's just you need to find those avenues so i think that's a, like a lot of what i do in my own life it's something that i've uh, been sort of refining for the last four and a half years since i stopped using meth um we haven't yeah so we'll have to discuss the meth period as well because i used meth for four years as well after the opposite content but um uh, it's something i've been refining and i now feel confident to teach people um how to do it as well i think it's really powerful and i feel like uh, uh like i can sort of like take on the world now you know yeah
1: yeah we can take on the world yeah we can, yeah,
0: we can. <laughs> did you have any other besides like personal experience did you have any other sort of like like schooling you did because i feel like the knowledge like self-knowledge like i feel like i can advise people myself on what i have
1: your experience yeah my experience right?
0: that yeah. is but like i feel like there's things that like i'm not sure where i want to go with this question i just feel like there's there's got to be more to it than just self like experience am i right am i wrong I think,
2: um, I think lived experience is really powerful and I don't want to ever, um, downplay it. Um, I think people have a certain like resonance with, uh, lived experience. Um, on top of that, I've obviously put a lot of time into, I became a personal trainer, which sort of started my journey. This is like, like post my meth year. So like, let's say when I'm 30 years old, I sort of come out of my, my, my worst drug years. And, um, I, so I became a personal trainer. So I think I first learned how to like use the body, play around with the body, get fit, and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I, I actually um, uh, like worked as a personal trainer for about two years. So I think that played a really big role. I think over that time, I started to introspect and learn about myself and what I'd actually been through um, and really look backwards. Um, and then I worked with um, some mentors. And I think mentors have been my main way of learning. Um, I had a sort of like a coaching business mentor who helped me set up my business, my current business, Um, which is sort of like, it was all sort of like, um, focused around being online and sort of like marketing myself online and like building up sort of like a coaching model. Um, and sort of like a pathway for people, which is like how I sort of arrived at this sort of like four month program that I now, um, offer. Um, and then currently I work with a clinical psychologist as a mentor, um, who has like just my therapy skills. Because like I kind of am a therapist, as I just kind of found myself being a therapist without any training. (laughs) So, which was sort of confronting. It was sort of confronting, but it's also like there's no need to be scared. Like there's no. I think there's like a lot of in our society. It's like, well, where are are your credentials? Like, where? Well, my credentials are that I I fucking use drugs. I grew up gay and I used drugs (laughs) for eight years. Like, I studied for. I stopped
1: being. And now I don't. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't, so I've done it, so like <laughs> if someone who's going to learn in a book is just not going to have the same advice as me. There's no, there's no way that's going to resonate the same way it is for me because I've actually been through it and I found my way out. So I've got lessons and I also am very humble in what I do know and what I don't know. But yeah, so my clinical psychologist mentor yeah. has been a huge, huge um, uh, help in my life. Um, and I go to him, I see him like every fortnight and he's, and I'm also in therapy as well. So I'm doing like a lot of, I work on myself constantly, you know, um, I'm only as good. I'm only as good. Like uh, I can only be as good a coach as I am, uh, growing and healing myself. So I I do a lot, I put a lot of effort into making sure that I am like whole and I work on myself and I don't like skip any corners or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, um, I guess the answer to that
0: question. Yeah. We like the word Fortnite. We started using it in our daily life because...
1: Fortnite, yeah. I'm like, I haven't... I read that in a Jane Austen book, but I've (laughs) never heard anyone use it before.
0: (laughs) This is a side note for you. Something that way.
1: Um, But you know what? You made me think of... The big book talks about that. You know that we're 12 steppers and we love the big book. And I feel like every time I read that book, I have a new experience with it. But it kind of it says that in our literature, you know, that the best way to reach an alcoholic is to have an alcoholic (laughs) sit down and talk to them. And and we have the unique ability to be helpful to these individuals that someone who hasn't been through it just does not have. And it's like not their fault. I'm sure they want to be helpful, but they just they're not going to be as helpful as we are so it's almost like yeah. the way i look at it is it's almost like my responsibility right to be out there and and helping these people who just don't know that there's a different way
2: yeah and i think i'm I i'm sure you of, can spend relate. a lot of time yeah and i spend a lot of time reflecting on like i think uh, whenever I sort of like lose my way of like what I'm doing, I kind of like come back to like my my underpinning and like underscoring idea is that like I want to be the voice that I would have needed in my time of need. So it's like, what would I have needed? Like, so I went through it for eight years. I didn't need to go through it for eight years. Like I said to you, like at the age of 24, it would have been obvious. So like I'm like I'm like, what would I have needed? Obviously, I, I didn't have access to it. So what would I have needed, right? So that's what I try. That's how I try to like mm-hmm. base myself and base what I'm offering out there, um, as well as my TikTok. I really, my TikTok, I just really see as like I'm just talking to old me. Like it's just, it's so easy, it, it, it just yeah. there's a certain ease with that because I'm like I know it intimate. I know it more intimately than anyone else. I know these people more intimately than they know themselves because I've literally been there. Yeah. Um, so if I mm-hmm. keep that, I think that keeps me hungry, um, in check, and it just makes sure that I'm in within my wheelhouse, which I'm really careful to do. But also, I don't want to downplay my power and what I can, what I can do, and what I can offer. Um, and I think that I know that my brushes with um, conventional drug services—I um, had, I had a few um, while I was using. Um, I think I had a psychologist or two that just like I'm like, you don't know shit. I'm like, I'm not telling you shit. Like you're, <laughs> you can't handle, you can't handle all this. Whether they could or couldn't, <laughs> I just didn't feel I just didn't feel like resonant with them and like I didn't feel like they could handle my shit. And then mm. I remember also going to a um I went to it was called first step. It was like when I when I got a foxycontin at the age of twenty six, I went to Suboxone, which is I think you guys have it there in the US. Like, you know, like like a uh, yes, like pharmacotherapy replacement. Um so I did that and like that was obviously yes. like yes, we do. helpful. It's helpful, but also the doctor that was prescribing me was like this like Cute little old lady who like hadn't been through anything, and like she wasn't ready for me. She just wasn't ready for all my shit, and so <laughs> I never shared it. So I think that, and I get people like I mean the incredible space that I'm in is like I get people reaching out from across the world, telling me a random person stuff that they haven't told anyone else mm-hmm. in their life, right? um uh, yeah. Can put his hand up. So um, uh, stuff that they haven't told anyone else mm-hmm. in their life, and I think that I just. I just the way that I talk and just like the lack of judgment that comes off of me um, and the fact that I've been there and I really understand them is the power, like that is the coaching. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like that is, the, that, 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 that therapeutic relationship that I can build with people through understanding and compassion and I have a lot of love for people that I coach as well um, is the healing. It's like, that is the healing. Mm-hmm. Finding someone else and realizing you're not broken and fucked up and someone else that can help guide you and mentor you is the healing. So um yeah I totally agree and yeah. I actually yeah. now realize that um, Twelve Step has a similar ideology which is that um, we help each other because we're the
0: ones that have been through it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What was I just thinking? I, I had a thought. Know. I'm not in your brain. I Girl. wish I was. So we were talking earlier about how <laughs> like obviously we keep talking about the t- we're Twelve Steppers and um we that has worked for us in many ways, and made us good. And I think we had a conversation once, Andrew, where I said that, the, that AA and the 12 Steps got me good, like, up in my mind. Like, that's where mm. I, like, I didn't know, I know I didn't need, like, I wasn't alone. Uh, I'm not, that's, I'm not special. I don't need alcohol or drugs to sort of, like, soothe what I'm missing. But, like, I still felt like there was something missing from life. Um, being that, like, I touched upon a minute ago, like, my, um, I guess, any sort of, like, physical... Fitness or any idea of what I should be doing with myself. I had a whole question in mind, I swear, and I just keep going because I keep forgetting what I was going to ask. <laughs> bitch. So, <clears throat> so, so this I is our first. Start, start, again, start again, start again, start so, again, it's all good. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, so, we can just edit it.
0: Perfect. Power of editing. Gosh, I don't know what the point of what I was trying to make was. Do you have a point? Do you have something to say?
1: Well, I was just listening Perfect. to you talk, and I'm, I'm sort of, like, comparing our programs, right? Just because I, I only know, like, what I know, and I only know what works for me. And I was like, damn, like, they're, they're like, similar, right? Because it sounds like... Mm-hmm. Like, the whole point of, like, AA for me and, like, the 12 steps is to have a spiritual experience, right? So that, like, you feel whole again or like you come back Mm -hmm. to yourself and meet yourself and I just I'm getting that from you and it sounds like you've had this spiritual experience within yourself um so I guess I want to know how you got there like how did you like get from well first of all like how what was your pivotal moment right like that you were like I Mm -hmm. can't do this anymore this is too much and like how did you get from there to like I love myself like obviously you can't okay, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you can't sum it up in like so many words. <laughs> like I mean it's so much work, no, but no. like I know what I did and I can sum it up really neatly in like the 12 steps. Like I can just say that.
2: No, I'll um So I'm just uh, interested. I'll tell you it's a, it's actually a, it's actually an incredible story. So I um, uh, let me so let me continue. So okay. I'm at 20 so 24 24 I come out. So I'm using OxyContin at 22. 24 I come out. I'm still stuck with OxyContin because obviously I'm physically dependent and also coming out is just like the start of, I like this idea of like coming out being, it's not the end of it, it's like the very start of a journey. It's like, okay, now I've admitted who I am and now I have to discover that person for the rest of my life. Um, so, uh, so, but I didn't, I just had, didn't have any space or capacity to do that. I didn't have anyone to help me through that. So I continued using. Um, so I said at 26, I went and got help and I got off the, my, my physical dependency um, by taking Suboxone. Um, which was great, but like a month later, I started using meth um, because I just wasn't ready. I just, I just described it like I wasn't ready. I didn't know who I was. I didn't want to be alone sober. I wasn't interested in it. Um, I didn't know how um, I, I didn't know how else to live my life. Really, I just didn't know another way to live life other yeah. than being uh, and being altered all the time. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, so I started yes. using meth at 26, and those were really. Some of the worst years, they were just really fucking shitty. I got became incredibly isolated during those years. Um, I literally like stayed in my house using um week on, week off, week on week. You know how it is. It's just like it was just like mm-hmm. I was just alone. Yeah. I was just all alone and I withdrew from every single person in my life. I was so ashamed. I was just was so ashamed. I think for some people the OxyContin. Like some people in my life knew about the Oxycontin, like my family, ultimately I told them, whereas the meth, I'm like, you're not going to find out about this one. This one, this one is going to go into my fucking grave. Like no one's going to find out about this shameful Mm. thing that I've been doing. Um, which is obviously incredibly isolating because I didn't want to connect with anyone. I saw people as a threat, like anyone, anyone, I even making eye contact with someone was Mm. like, are they going to find me out? And then, and then when I did see anyone, it was just like a whole performance and show. It was like, everything, everything was fake. Everything was phony. Um, no one knew what was going on with me. And so I pulled away from everyone. So uh, it just got darker and darker and darker, really. Um, the usage got dark. In the gay world, there's a whole scene of people that use meth and have sex. Um, it's called, like, Chemsex. And, like, it's just in every single city, it's, like, a really, really big thing. And um, if you jump on Grinder, I didn't the know or I don't AM, think I knew that. Either. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I coach, like, literally every single... I coach people all over the US, like, um, Seattle and... Um, Arizona and Texas and San Francisco and, Ari- and uh, Orlando and like every single one of them has gotten trapped in this sort of like this this whirlpool which is like it's called chemsex or PNP like puff and play and basically um, you get really hard and then have sex with many many guys um, and you sort of like go on this merry-go-round and everyone's using every the smoking meth or shooting up um, or and it's like sort of like this really like dark like Void where, like, it just you get lost in it basically, and it exists everywhere and it's really easy to find. And once you find it, you can't find it. Um, and that's like honestly, I coach, I coach probably like five or six people at the moment, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to draw them out of that vortex, um, which is a really hard job, actually. It's, it's been, it's been interestingly difficult, but yeah, so I started to engage with that kind of stuff as well because at that point you're just creating a bit of connection. Um, and this is like a ready made spot for you to find connection. So it's like really dark and twisted in that way. It's like, it's giving Mm. you something, but in like the worst way possible, um, and leaving you much worse off and like uh, you're doing things like a lot of violence, a lot of sexual violence. It's like a very, very dark place. Um, so yeah, I started to engage with a lot of that. And so it was all just getting really bad. Um, but then at the age of 30, it was my 30th birthday. My mom, offered to take me to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca with her. Um, so this oh, is the start of wow. my spiritual journey. How is that? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. So this is, a, like uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is <laughs> the start is this, of my spiritual journey. That's the
1: journey,
2: alcoholic which, in me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so ayahuasca is like a psychedelic drug that can be, that, uh, you um. know, there's sort of like a whole space out there. There's a whole space out there of like psychedelic, um, like a therapy through psychedelics. Um, especially for drugs. I don't know if you guys are aware of this sort of, like, space. Mm -hmm. It's, like, emerging. Chelsea Handler taught me that. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of (laughs) big, it's big in LA, but it's big big all over the world, and I'm a big believer in it. Um, I don't, like, I don't, um, I haven't, like, spooked it. I haven't, haven't sort of, like, spoken about it publicly on, like, my TikTok. It's not, like, my area of expertise, but I can just tell you what it did for me, basically. So my mum knew that something was going on with me. She didn't know exactly what was going on with me. Um, and so she offered me, bless her, she said she was called to do it, which I genuinely believe. Something told her that she had to take her son halfway across the world to do more drugs to help get him <laughs> off the drugs that he was on. Which is just like a crazy, like, that you know that, that conviction, like, I really respect that. I really, like, you must have been called to do that because it's, it seems like a wild thing to have actually do. And she had to, she had to convince my mum. and my dad as well. Right. Um, which was obviously very difficult because he's very, like, buttoned up. Um, she's, my mum's like always been, like, sort of out on the on the fringes like spiritual like there's always been that air to her my whole life um so she's it's not it's not it wasn't like super weird coming out of her mouth but it was still like but i saw it as a huge opportunity really i was so lost i really had no idea how to get myself out of this mess i had sort of gotten to that point as a lot of us do where it was like this is the rest of this is going to be the rest of my life you know like i think all of us get there at some point where you're like you're kind of giving up on anything better i'm, I'm now nearly 30 years old i'm like i'm like i guess this is it um this sort of like really yucky twisted like i'm using drugs every day to cope and like i'm either withdrawing or coming down or using kind of um cycle so yeah so this sort of like seems like just like at least if i'm to visualize it, it's almost like like a little i could see like a tiny little speck of light that i was like grabbing onto and i'm like maybe there's something here so we went overseas um and we did this like very guided um So it's very big ayahuasca is like a central American, South American, like um, indigenous, like medicine that they use. And there's like a very, very um, uh, traditional ways that it's sort of um, implemented and done um, with shamans and with people like guiding you. So that was what this was. So it was a very like responsibly done um, program. It wasn't just like, we're gonna give you drugs and leave you to to die. It was like people who were trained, (laughs) there were like psychologists there, there were doctors there. It was like very, very, it was a very, it was as controlled as you can have it with like, sort of like an, un- an unpredictable psychedelic experience. And, um, it changed my life That first, the first night. So we ended up doing five nights worth of like trips, which, um, uh, before the, the rest of the four nights were like, not very relevant, but the first, the very first night for the first time in my life, and this is sort of like, you can now see how it sort of relates into like my, my idea, my philosophy, even to this day, um, I was finally able to see myself outside of myself, like I sort of like almost like saw myself, like I was sort of floating above myself and I found for the first time, compassion and love for myself. Like I literally looked down at myself and I'm like, I felt sorry for myself. I'm like, Oh my God, you poor thing. Look what you've gotten yourself trapped Mm -hmm. in. Like you poor thing, you just need to be hugged and nurtured and cared for. Whereas in my own head as the way I was going through life was how we said before it was like full of shame and full of judgment, full of guilt. Um, you're broken, you're fucked up, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, you know, that kind of, I mean, that that would be light language. I hated everything about myself. I hated every part of myself. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. So it allowed me just a momentary experience of actually like just compassion for myself um, and understanding of myself. Um, And that really was, I mean, that is uh, to say like that's a spiritual experience. It was definitely like the start of my spiritual journey. And it was later that year. So I came back, that was 2018. That was like, January 2018, I came back, I kept on using because you know how it is, you come back to your house and you're like, I know, I've seen this before, you're like, you're like, <laughs> like I've seen this place before, I know what I'm supposed to do in here, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to use this, yeah. this place, so, no, but you can't blame yourself for that, but I think that later in that year, later in that year I just found, I started to find a little bit of space for myself to think of something more, and to think, maybe think of something better, um, and I, there was a gym, a new gym that opened up around the corner from me, and I joined the gym, um, while I was using, I think this is really important to say to anyone. Like I don't, like, I think that I'm, I'm much softer on the, like the transition between using and not using. I think you can start all the processes while you're still using. I think it's really important. I just want to like reiterate that, um, because that's what I did. I was still using meth, but I joined the gym and I just had like this sort of inkling that like there was something better out there for me, or like there was something else. Um, also when I was using, you and me Aaron, like when I was, when I was using, I fucking hated it. It's like, you know, that point you get to where you're like sure oh, yeah. using because i feel compulsion but like i actually fucking i think you guys i think Tolstep has like a term for that right is that like there is, there's a term for that am i right
1: uh like drinking against your will yeah is, is what that, they is usually it, is, is say like, you're against yeah, your will yeah so
2: yeah against my will it's sort of like it's like i'm using because it's like my compulsion and my habit but every time i'm high i fucking yeah. hate it yeah. um yeah so like you don't want to, to. it's to. not like
1: we want to do this yeah
2: but I think it's a, it is a definitely that. And if anyone listening is in that period, that is the thing that you're looking, like that's, this is the moment for you to go and discover something yes. like that is the powerful moment. That's the moment. Like once you're fed up with it, that is, it's now actually easier. It's, it's much easier to now be like, all right, what else is there? So I went to the gym and I just started just. Going to the gym and like using my body and like feeling good from the gym and really like enjoying myself finally like having a place place to like expend some energy being out in the world seeing people and um i sort of like had this transition period where i was sort of using for like two or three months um while going to the gym and then eventually i was like well the meth is doing nothing for me the gym is doing everything for me so why don't i stop one of them and continue with the other um so uh, that was sort of like my tra- that my very early transition period and sort of like still informs. I've learned a lot since then, obviously, but it still informs sort of like the basis of like how I visualize um, getting better. So yeah, that's, that's the start of the story. I'll, I'll keep talking about the spiritual stuff, but I'll let you guys talk and then I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. Yes. Okay yeah
1: that's that's like i i agree with you like that is absolutely the time when you can change your life is when you're so fed up with your own shit and i feel like um in in aa like in like our group of people we get excited right when like people are coming in and out of meetings and stuff but they're still drinking but but when they like get a DUI and they get thrown in jail. It's almost exciting for us cuz we're like, "Oh, they've hit rock bottom this time. Like, it's getting real bad. They're really going to do it this time when it might look really bad like to people who don't have what we have." You know what I'm saying? Like but it's yeah. like the worse the worse it gets, it's almost like the more of a chance you have because you're going to be desperate enough to change. You're going to be willing, and I think the willingness is is that key, right? Um, and I love how you talked about the little pinprick of hope that like Mm -hmm. when, I mean, we, our experiences are a lot different. Um, my pin, my pinprick of hope was, um, I guess, I guess my seed was planted, right? So your seed was planted, um, in Costa Rica and my seed was planted (laughs) when, uh, a family member of mine came back and went to rehab, and I was still drinking, but I was like, okay. So like, I know there's something else out there. There's something bigger than me. There's something more. And there's a place I can go, I guess.
2: Yeah.
1: If, mm-hmm. if that how makes old are you, sense. How old are you, Karen? I was, uh, how old am I right now?
2: No, how old were you when you, well, both. Yeah, how old are you now, how old are you when you were <sighs>
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so I was 27 when I got sober and I'm mm-hmm. 33 now. Correct. Thank Same you. It's <laughs> like in my 32. Yeah. So, and I had started, I was kind of like you, where I didn't start drinking until I was like 17 or 18. So that, and I had like a quick fall pretty much. That's only like 10 years of drinking i didn't do any hard drugs or anything like that but it took me out quick because it was just such my solution <laughs> yeah. that i was just like the more i can get in me the better because it's the only thing yeah. that makes me feel okay you know yes 100 percent.
2: yeah uh i think it's um yeah so i think that that moment when you're like fed up like that's a, like this 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 moment we're talking about it means that also once you discover something else it's like so appealing there's like just a. for me mm-hmm. it was just like i was just like i was like i was like tasting i was like i was like just so ready for something new and i think mm-hmm. once i found something to latch onto which was an investment in my body i think like when i talked about like reconnection to self i think reconnection to body i felt i was very out of my body Like i was very like disconnected from my body and my health and well i mean almost the opposite i was like destruct i was like self-destructive so the idea of my body sort of like growing and progressing and getting fitter and then understanding my mood to relation to my fitness and all that kind of stuff was just like really powerful for me. And I was just primed. I felt like, like you were saying, like I was just primed and ready for something new. Um, and I think also what you were talking about that pinprick of hope, I think hopelessness is, um, just probably the biggest disaster. I mean, hopeless is that the only thing that can keep you stuck is hopelessness. It's like, we all have a chance to get better, um it's the opportunities are out there many of us have done it like it's literally out there like there are a million stories of people that get better and get away from the drugs and the and the the alcohol um but if you remain hopeless um and i think that's what i've how i viewed my own role as well because i know a lot of people reach out to me and tell me that i've created some version of hope so i also see my role out there like on tiktok or whatever is just being like also like this is me this is what i've been through and I'm here, and you can too. Um, and even if I can be a source of hope for people, is like that's really fun as well. So yeah, just trying to lean into that as well, because hopelessness is about the only thing that's going to keep you stuck, really.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a huge reason why we wanted to start this podcast too, mm-hmm. It's like, we want, if there's someone out there who just happens to find us and is meant to find us, and we give someone somewhere out there hope, that is who we do this for, yeah. I feel like, and our friends. Yeah, that's true. Of course, and ourselves. Yeah, and ourselves too, of course. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I really like the message that you say, like when you you you, uh, talk about like how getting into the gym was what like was it was something new for you. Because I found that like in parts of my sobriety, I found even like in like six months in, eight months in, I felt hopeless. Like I had nothing working for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah, I was sober, like nice, but like what else is like what else is essential for me? To grow and to prosper and to yeah. have like this like life, I can set up for myself that's gonna like be successful and like something I can be proud of and be happy with. Because um, I feel like I even like know people in like the program of AA now that like yes, they're sober, but like it's almost like the dry drunk term is what they use. Like they just don't have like that like fuel mm-hmm. in their in their soul to like make them you know just want to keep going and like grab life by the reins and keep just growing like and keep growing. yeah. Our little phrase is, yeah, at the end of each episode, we say, keep going, keep growing, keep glowing, which, yeah. you know, I feel like it's, it's exactly what, what this is. And, like, I, I think that, like, what I was trying to say earlier when I was stuttering over my words is, yes, the 12 steps helped me to a point where, like, I am so grateful for, but, like, I think working with you and, like, having that experience has been exactly what I needed. And it's opened up these doors mm-hmm. that um that I didn't know existed in some regard that were in, within reach of me with, you know, give it a few years or give it some hard work, what all whatever it is. But I think that it's just really important to, like, to get a message across that, like, sobriety alone is great, but mm-hmm. there's more to it, more to life than just that, I think. And I think that that's really a cool message to sort of, like, put out into the cosmos.
1: Yeah, well, like, why get sober yeah. unless you're going to live your life is, like, my whole yes. thing. Like, why else get sober? Yeah other than to actually live because we weren't living yeah
2: it's like before again it's like it's like getting sober is like the start of a journey it's like uh, it's like it's it's like the coming out it's like it's not the end of something it's getting sober and coming out it's just the beginning of something right so i think also we all need joy in our life like we all need joy and love and connection i think those are like sort of like the three things that really make us human um joy love and connection Mm -hmm. so like fostering that and finding ways to get that are really important. Um, and just like you said, Ken, I think that, um, you're a really good example of this sort of like almost like a two-phased, it's like a two-phased approach. Um, it's like Mm -hmm. AA got your head, right. Um, and then together we were able to build up. It's like, we repaired the relationship with yourself, which was also broken, which wasn't so like, where's the self-esteem? Where's the self-respect? Where's the self-confidence? Where's the self-belief? because then mm-hmm. you can go and do whatever the fuck you want in life. Like you can feel all powerful. You yeah. should feel all powerful. Like we are all powerful beings and we are capable of anything. If we just literally make it happen. Um, so this is like, I think my spiritual angle as well. And I think my spiritual angle has grown. It's been a huge part of my. So I've got a current partner who is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. we have been together for two years. Um, and he has taught me everything I know about love and connection and, um, just belief. And he's also got his, 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 his mom, there's like, there, 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 him and his mom have a really spiritual religious component, which to me was very foreign to me. Um, but I have really lent into, and like, I think that my avenue in the way that I understand it is like love and connection, like love and connection can be God. It's like, it's either God or it's love and connection. Um, they're kind of the same, like, which are the same concept. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that this yes. idea of like returning to self, this idea of returning to self, I see, that I see like, however you want to mention it, God is inside of me or like, I am a creature of this beautiful universe. And like, so the closer, the better I can look after myself and care for myself. And the closer I can get to my true essential self, that's, that's my spiritual experience. Um, and then the more that, that, like my light can shine out of me and influence other people. So I think that's my spiritual conceptualization and it's, uh, indispensable. There's no way to understand, so there's no way for me to understand life and understand my journey without that spiritual component, which I know is a big part of tall step as well. So, um, this is mm-hmm. just interesting conversation because I'm like, in some ways I feel like opposed to tall step and in some ways I'm obviously very aligned to it. So it's like, it's, <laughs> I feel like I've always, I've always been, I've always been, I've always been I think a lot of just, if I can say a lot of, a lot of the tall step, a lot of the parts of tall step that I have like, um, uh, gone away from, are some of the language, really. I think the concepts are strong. I think some of the language, because they've been around for so long, are so emotionally charged words like sobriety relapse addict. I just want, I literally don't use any of those words I've, and I have purposely decided not to use any of those words in any of my, um, literature or any of my stuff online, because it's just, uh, these, uh, these programs have been around for so long and people have such ingrained ideas around what those words mean. And I think it's time for, it was in my eyes, it was time for just like a little revamp or like a little bit of like, uh, all right, we'll talk about the same concepts maybe, but I'm just going to like use different words because I want to like, it's almost like a rinse and, I want to rinse them, I want to put them through the tumble dryer and like, I want to put them through the washing machine mm-hmm. and just like refresh everyone's mm-hmm. mind. Um, around the ideas of sobriety, around relapse, around addict. Like I don't, I don't call myself an addict. I don't call myself an ex addict. Um, I don't. I've just let go of all these words. I was someone. I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready. I was like, I don't use the word addict because I'm like, I just. Um, I was someone who was using drugs to cope. That's like that's the same. I think that's more accurate for me to say than the word addict, which is so emotionally supercharged. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the, but the spiritual component absolutely is a really important part. And I think with Ken, it's like. Uh, and I think with a few of my clients, I can see them, I, I, I can sort of deliver them a little bit of a spark and I sort of start to see what's possible um, and start to open up your vista and your horizon to like what's actually possible. And um, just based on like what I've managed to do in my own life. And I think that if I can like help people, help other people, it's just like there's a beautiful sort of like energy exchange and like being yeah. shot into mm-hmm. the world. So yeah.
1: I feel the energy right now. <laughs> I don't know if you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just I'll just thank you. real,. Thank you. Yeah, graphic. <laughs> um, just real quick. I just wanted to comment on the language. I, I totally kind of see where you're coming from yeah. because, um, you know, the program of AA was like in the 30s, right? So maybe it does need a little bit of upgrading, but there are definitely those purists, right that are like, We can't change anything ever because we know that this works so well and it does. But I think it works so well because we, I think the biggest component is the spiritual aspect.
0: Yeah.
1: And Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. uncovering stuff about you. Like, I think, like, we do the fourth step, which is, like, the way I... The visual for my fourth step is, like, there is this light inside of me, which is, like, God, spirit, love, connection, all that, right? And throughout the years, I've just compiled crap on it. So, it's just been completely obscured and blocked. So, we can go in and one by one, it's a slow, sometimes tedious process, but uncover that light and i think like the i think the steps do that really well but Mm -hmm. i i do agree Mm -hmm. with you that it almost there's definitely been times that i've felt in the program like almost bad like if i like don't follow exactly what like I'm supposed to do, if that makes sense. Like I and I know, like that's just probably me and my stuff, but it it almost does feel rigid at times. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So I do I I do appreciate you, um, and kind of admire you. You're. you're it sounds like you're kind of just taking these principles, right, and you're just framing them in a different way. For other people to make it more palatable to other people, because everybody deserves yeah. Yeah. to be yeah. sober and happy and joyous and free and connect, connected and and all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone has that capacity
2: as well. It's just um yes. Like you, I actually like I, re- I really like how you how you explained it. Where it's like we've all got a bright light inside of us, and this has been and uh, but it's been like gunked up. It's been gunked up um, from. <laughs> yeah. They're from from the earliest moments of our childhood onwards, basically. Um mm-hmm. and, yeah. and from all angles and from all sides. Um and yeah, so like ungunking that um and letting people's light shine is like really like what I do with people. So yeah, so we definitely do align on that front. I think that what's interesting is that like I never actually like was part of any toll step program. So what I have come to, I think they're just like truths. Like they're just they are just inherent truths. Um uh, does that make sense? Because, like, I, I never yeah. actually Dharma. accessed any of this literature. I never, I, yeah, actually, Dharma. I, I never accessed this literature, but we both, and this is, I think a lot of people that have um, done, like, a self-guided, I don't know how you want to term it, like, a non-12-step recovery, let's say. Um, uh, I don't use a recovery. I don't like any of the word. I honestly have, like, just gone against all the language because I just wanted to start something fresh and new, like I said. Um, and people have really resonated with it because I think people have, either had bad interactions with Tolstep step NAAA or it's been drilled into them from like all the people that not wanna hear it from, like it's their parents or whatever it is. So like something just fresh and new um, to elaborate on the same core idea, which is like, hey, repair the relationship with yourself, find out what's going on, drugs and alcohol serving purpose in your life. What's that purpose? Like find other ways to find mm-hmm. joy and happiness and, uh, and, and being okay, being with yourself. Um, without being numbed and soothed and and escaping. So I think it's, it's sort of like a similar concept, but yes, I think also just to bring up one of the words like the word, all the relapse, all the language around relapse is probably my least favorite part of, um, I just think relapse is not, it shouldn't be treated in the way that relapse or at least what that word conjures up for me and for many people. Um, of like it conjures up like feelings of like failure. It's like the end of something. Um, it's like punishment. Um, oh, it's yeah. like ostracizing, ostracize, o- ostra I don't know how to say the word. Ostr- ostracizationing, whatever. It is. Ostracizing. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ostrac- I understand what you're ostra-
1: saying. Actually, uh, I can see. So I how, don't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And because it's not because it because moments of, I call them like either slip ups or one of my clients may come up with the word blip. It's like a blip, either a blip or a slip <laughs> up. Um, they're actually really useful tools for those of us that are trying to get better. My very last time using meth, I'll actually share this because it's like really powerful. Um, my very last time using meth, um, was a relapse or a slip up or whatever you want to call it. Um, probably three months after I stopped in, in this, in this 2018 period where I stopped using and I was going to the gym. Um, I met someone at the gym, um and he came around i was making a friend for the first time i was so excited by it um and um he came into my house and um i don't know what was going on i was very naive i really even though i had been through everything i just really was so naive and i'm like no everyone's like lovely and good and like i don't have to like watch i don't have to like watch my back about anyone but um he came into my house and um he brought a fucking uh, needle and meth into my house and he's like do you want me to inject you and I said yes because I was sort of caught so off guard, and I had never injected before, so it was my very first time injecting. It was my very last time using, and um, uh, the experience was incredibly um, distressing. He ended up ended ended up entering a full psychotic episode um, and being very paranoid. I had to I had to babysit him for probably like eight hours in my house with him in a full psychosis, um, and I ended up having to take him to the emergency department um, to get him treated and get him sedated. But for me, I mean, yes, it was a relapse, but it was literally the most powerful, eye-opening experience. And I literally decided from that day, I'm like, this is not the drug for me. So that relapse was exactly what I needed. So I just want to like, maybe Mm -hmm. if anyone's listening, I think relapse, and I just I know this because I have clients who have gone through the tall steps, and I've had to like unprogram, deprogram them from using the term relapse and what it means to use when you said you wouldn't use, it's really not a big deal. It's like, you, it's as big a deal as you make it, right? It's literally as big a deal as you make it. Um, if you're going to enter some sort of like shame spiral and guilt spiral and judgment spiral, then that's that's what's going to happen and you're going to lose your way. But if you're going to be like, actually, what an interesting insight into myself and what interesting, um, well, let's have a look at what happened. I'm going to sit down with Andrew on Monday and um, have a look at what happened and what are we going to do differently next time? And that's literally all the impact that you have on your life. So I think relax is one of my, what do you guys think of that?
0: sort of idea yeah i like the, the way you frame it um because I, I just maybe it's just my different perspective that i have after so many months of, of of stuff um is everything in my life that happens good or bad however you see it um it's a moment to learn from you know like over the break <laughs> like i talked about how, like our over the holiday like i didn't do much in terms of my physical health my meals my everything kind of like fell by the wayside but i took it as like like, and I didn't like where I was slipping. So I wanted to get back on that horse and keep going. A different situation, obviously, than using drugs or alcohol or anything. But I took that, like, negative moment and I turned it into something positive as, like, a reminder to, like, be steadfast in, my, in what I want for myself, which I know is not where I was before we started talking and all that. And You know, like, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything both of you said so like i because even something as simple i think being in like a program where it's like very like you you know exactly what you need to do it's like if i don't pray first thing in the morning sometimes i can feel guilt and shame right Mm -hmm, and that's not mm -hmm. necessarily good for me like and i know again i think that might be more of a me thing like but you're right the language that perpetuates that that like that i'm like what I'm telling myself in my own head, maybe I need to reprogram that. The only thing that scares me about, and I and I totally get that like a slip up or a blip or a relapse or whatever can be a helpful tool. The only thing I disagree with is that what if it's the last time, right? Like what if like you go out and you use heroin and like you're dead and you can't be revived? Mm. That's the only thing that like really I'm... Like you, if you don't want to use ever again, you don't have to like relapse Mm -hmm. to me, it's not a requirement and it doesn't have to be part of your recovery journey. And I don't know. So I don't encourage, like, I don't, I don't, I would never, I don't judge people who go back out. There should not be any shame. There should not be any guilt. Like get right back up on that horse. It's okay. But like, Mm -hmm. I just get nervous. Like, what if it's the last time? Yeah. You know, that's, just that's
2: just um, my only yeah. thing. I think that's fair. I just think it's, it's a reality. Like human beings are so complex and this journey is never going to be linear. I just, I, I think I'd like to read mm. all these points for people because look, I've worked with like probably in this space, probably like maybe 30 people, probably 30 guys. And I've like taken through this for the like most recent, um, like my sort of like, or in all various drugs and alcohol, like, all, alcohol, meth, Oxycontin, um, uh, alcohol, what else, what else, what else is there? Um, I think that might be it. Meth? Uh, cocaine, the the whole, the whole, the whole gamut of like drugs, right? And so I've been able to observe them. Yeah. I've (laughs) been able to sort of observe how they all sort of like interact and literally like literally every single one of them has, relapsed or slipped up. And it's really about how you face that slip up and how you decide, just like Ken was saying, like, do you decide to treat it as a learning experience? So most of them don't, I mean, none of them have like gone as far as like dying from this experience. Like it's very unlikely. I understand for some people in some situations that is likely, but for the sort of cohort that I'm dealing with, which is not people, uh, not people on the street, but like people who are somewhat functioning, like they have a job, like they have a job and like their usage is not um, it's not as severe as that. It's sort of like I, thought, I sort of find myself in this like middle space where it's like I'm not about to die tomorrow. Like I'm not. I'm not at so at risk. So a slip up and a, it, they're just going to happen, especially from social pressures and stuff like that. I just think it's really important mm. not to reinforce mm-hmm. any shame and guilt and judgment. I think it's been so much a part of our life, and just like you were saying, Erin, I mm-hmm. think that sometimes the ideology can reinforce shame and guilt. It's almost like a um, discipline to, disciplinary tool. Um, and I just don't like it because what I see from people is that is the problem. Like, that to me, the drugs are like secondary to the shame and get to this internal dialogue piece. It's almost secondary because I don't want you to be sober, but then also still be filled with shame and guilt because I think that's not living your life.
1: Um, <laughs> no, it's not the purpose. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, so I, I think that um, just allowing space. And so, like, um, so I'll just give you an example. Like, I had um, one of my clients. Um, uh, his name's Matt, I'll leave it that, um, Matt has a problem, has a problem with meth. I've been working with him for like many, many months. Right. And, um, he was doing, um, uh, he's doing incredibly well. He's just doing incredibly well, but so he's still doing well, right? doesn't change anything. I just, there's so many, I just, there's like four of these stories I can tell you because we've just gone through Christmas, New Year's and it's an incredibly difficult time for people that are using drugs. Um, mm. And there's a lot of temptation, a lot of social pressures, right? So down to literally about three of them that are doing incredibly well, all had slip-ups relapses whatever you want to call them over the new year period right so um now that's not like it, either we can treat it as like oh my god you relapse, relapsed that means you lose all of your time and that means you're going right back to the beginning and everything we did last year means nothing which is just not true. Like what is true is mm-hmm. that like, these are now learning tools. What was it that led to you using and how can we make sure that we safeguard against that next time? Like, what was it, what was it inside of you that was driving this usage? And so I'll use Matt as an example. So Matt used meth. He hadn't used meth for a long time. Um, over this new year period, he sort of entered an old pattern around, um, a lot of his using, his using was, um, he felt like he had to like perform. He felt, he felt like he had to like be full of energy and perform for all of his friends. Um, and he would use drugs um, in that capacity. And I think it's quite common that in social circles to feel a lot of pressure. Now, for, for, for those of us like me and Ken, I don't know Aaron and your story, but like we were very isolated, so it doesn't really resonate that much with us. But for people who still use, but still have friends in their lives and people in their lives, often the using is very like, sort of like combined with um, these sort of social pressures. And so he used, he bought a gram, of, a gram of meth and used it all the whole time. And he came back to me and we chatted yesterday for the first time. And he was like, Andrew, I literally hated it. Like I literally hated it. I was using it and I thought it was going to give me one thing. And it just didn't give me it every single time. It made me anxious and nervous and clammy. My skin got weird. Uh, my lips got weird. Um, I felt I wasn't social. So like, and I'm like, I'm actually just genuinely happy that he had this experience because this is like, again, like, like Ken was saying, this is the confirmation. This is the moment of resolve. This is the moment like I had with the guy who who had a psychotic break next to me where it was like it was actually the thing that I needed to make so I could stop using meth, not because I'd made a promise, but because I actually genuinely wanted to stop using meth. That makes sense Um, it's like there's a difference between like okay i've promised everyone in my group that i wasn't going to use but i actually do do genuinely want to use and i will spend the rest of my life Mm -hmm. wanting to use or i'm properly healed like i saw him when he came to me yesterday i'm like matt you are genuinely healed like you don't even like this drug anymore this drug doesn't entice you anymore so to me that was like i was proud of him like i was not proud of him but i was like happy with how it's played (laughs) out because that's how it started to play out that makes sense
1: Oh yeah. It was, it goes back to what I was saying before about how like we get excited when like people hit rock bottom because we just know that it's actually helpful. Yeah.
0: I always, yeah. I used to like start telling my story with like how I didn't really have a problem with like drinking. It was my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I found that through all the work that I've done in like 12 Step and with Andrew and everything that like, I don't, I don't have those emotional problems anymore though. So I don't need to like, cover them up with like things like drinking because like i don't it doesn't entice me anymore Mm -hmm. it just doesn't and i think that having another brain fart crap um (laughs) i think the whole idea around the guilt and shame it's important to sort of like reword that and everything like you do because um like we said this program was that we do that we work was set up about 100 years ago now Oh, yeah, and it so, is. So, like, there's no one that was at that inception of this program that is still living today. Like, there might be, like, a, a grandchild or something like that of that uh, still life. But times are just different now. Yeah. And I think yeah. that for a long time, I relied on people around me, like my mom, my dad, any friends I had left, people like you who I just met, to not to hold me accountable and keep me sober, but to keep me, like, I wanted to do it to keep you proud of me. And so, like, I, yes. that's where I think I had this like moment for a long time that I didn't feel like I had, like I was, I was like sober, cool, but like I wasn't happy, and like I was just like mm. running in place and nothing was changing, and I just got frustrated and annoyed. So I think that's super important. It's super awesome. I think that you frame it in a different way because ultimately the goal is the same. Whatever program you work, the goal is the same. Yeah. And I think that AA focuses more on the like you were saying that the actual being sober. Being sober is what you want, but I think that the real focus is is like just to like learn to be okay with you and live with you and love yourself, and like
2: yeah.
0: for me, I found that as as the love for myself has grown, the the need, desire, the thought to like drink, use, whatever is just slipping away more and more each day. Mm-hmm. Um, like recently, okay, I just did you, a the Christmas the party. Eating, the eating- Ken,
2: like you're you're eating, you're yeah. eating as well with like very much like I saw your eating is very much like it was just like a one to one replacement for drinking. So like you know you, you can exactly. find other avenues if you don't do the top proper healing, you'll just find another avenue. You can still be sober, but like still find yeah. another mm-hmm. avenue, which is which
0: means you're just not coping well still. Yeah, that's exactly like that. Exactly is like indicative of what I was saying. Like I was like doing the motions, but I wasn't like there was something else missing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I I get that. Because I just quit smoking, like, and that (laughs) was for, for like, a really, really long time. That was just another, I mean, I I smoked when I drank, but that was just another block, right? That's the way I saw it. I was like, this is just cutting me off. This is cutting my spirit off. Like, this is not doing anything for me. And it's like, it can be any number of things that we use, right? It could be shopping. Mm -hmm. It can be sex. It can be, like, anything. Anything. So, scrolling,
2: scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh my, my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The yeah, scro- all the fucking scrolling. All <sighs> That's the scrolling.
1: Bad. I have this like app, this coloring app that I've been like way too into lately, and I'm like, this is another thing. That's
0: why I had to get rid of TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, much of my life.
2: I think I'm um, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I um I just I want to make two points actually around around that. I I sort of take a very broad now view of like all compulsive behavior in our lives. Um, I think that, I think every, almost everything we do is like an escape or an attempt at self soothing. And that's not to say that like we need to be monks, but I think that like basically <laughs> finding some space and this is what I, this is what I try and do every single day is like, I really do just spend a lot of time. Like if I'm walking the street, I'll have like, I won't have music in my ears. And if I'm waiting for like my sandwich to be made or my coffee to be made, I won't pull my phone out straight away. I will just like, observe the world and be in the world. And yes, it can be uncomfortable being alone without any distractions. But I think that like, there's a real power in just like flexing that muscle because like you said, Aaron, it's like, whether it's hard drugs or alcohol or whether it's scrolling or whether it's vaping, the fucking vaping, all the vaping, so much vaping, um, <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just, it's so hard for me to, so for me to watch because like a lot of like my friends who are like love dearly are like, just vaping all the time. And I'm like, this is all, it's all, it's all for me, part of the same picture, which is that I am still afraid to be alone with myself. I'm still, I'm, mm. my relationship with myself is still, there's still something that I'm not finding com- comfort in. And this is a hard job and this is a journey that you'll be on for the rest of your life. But I think that like oh, yeah. putting some time and at least, at least understanding that has been really, really impactful for me. And it's like, allowed me to find like a sort of like sense of like inner peace or like, Look, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not any guru. I'm like, I'm up and down. I'm like, I'm, I'm having a particularly like fun week this week. Whereas like last week was like a nightmare for me and like, whatever. So like I have up and ups and downs, but I just think like my task is always like, I'm not, I'm trying to like, I always carve out space to just be alone with myself and just allow myself to sit in that and see what comes up for me. And this is like sort of relays into my other point that I want to say around Ken, you were talking about emotions. I think um, mm. this is what I see from a lot of the guys that I work with is that like Everyone learns to repress every emotion. It's like repress everything. Repress all the emotions, <laughs> repress every sensation in your body, right? It's like repression. It's like an epidemic in our society. It's like repress everything that you don't like. And I think that there is a space where you have to find ways to express and feel your emotions. Like I think that yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of what I do with people is like, all right, so where are we going to find the time in your week? All right, so you've got, you've got, and this is where work, sorry, another thing to put into the compulsive is like, you know, being a workaholic. Um, Mm. which is something that like a lot of us gay men, um, fall into. It's like, it's another way to like fill your time and be validated externally instead of finding time to just be alone with yourself. So like, I'm like, all right, so we've got you working, we've got you drinking, we've got you using drugs, we've got you with your friends, but where's the space for you to be alone, to actually figure out and process your emotions. Because if you don't process them, they don't go away. They'll just like pop up yes. in very ugly ways. In weird ass places. <laughs> weird <laughs> ass unexpected ways. <laughs> and, like, and yes, you can, you can kind of do you know what I mean? So like it'll be either rage and anger, or it'll be resentment, or it'll be drinking, or it'll be drugs, or it'll be um, sex, or it'll be whatever it might be. It'll just be like compulsive. So it will come up. So I think finding ways to actually feel your emotions um, healthily. And not being afraid of them. That's the other thing. Not being afraid of your emotions. Like, yeah. There's a lot of, like, we're taught to be afraid of a lot of, basically, like, I feel like myself, like, I was afraid of myself. I was afraid to see what I would find. I was afraid to, like, feel all my feelings. Um, whereas I've just tried mm-hmm. to find a lot of space in my life. And this is what I teach people to do as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I love that.
1: And I think we say this a lot on, on this podcast. It's about practice. Like, it's going to be the first five minutes that you spend alone with yourself are gonna it's gonna feel real uncomfortable and you're not gonna like it but just keep doing it and there really should be joy in this process i feel like yeah. it's not supposed to be yeah. like obviously there's painful times right like we all go it's still life things are going to come up but like in general like you've got to find that joy like for yeah. me yeah and 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 that's been fun finding what's joy to me. Like, what is that to me? Yes. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, uh, yeah. I always say like when, when someone, when someone sort of asks me when like, when we're someone, I'm sort of very starting out with someone or like, we're sort of like on our first call together or like, you know, I'm just like, this process is going to be fun and enjoyable and lighthearted. And we're going to smile and we're going to laugh. And yes, it's going to be hard as well. But like, my goal is to, like, have a certain, like, joy. Like, it's like, what's the point otherwise? So um, right. I think we can navigate the hard times. But also, like, through the connection, we can be playful. Like, it's it's all sort of, like, plays a role. Like, being very serious about it all and being very dour about it all is, like, just not my energy. And I don't think it relays well because you're, like, like Ken's saying, it's like, you're sober. Well, so what? <laughs> it's like... So what, you're sober. It's like, if you're also miserable, then you haven't really done, I mean, you've done the very start of the work, but the rest of it hasn't been, you haven't engaged with it in the proper way. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that Mm -hmm. was like sort of powerful for you to like, for you to recognize. And I think that was very much Ken's story when when he came to me. It's like, I'm sober, but I don't know what, what else is there? Is there anything else? Um, And that's what we've sort of done together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just even recently, like I've had conversations with my mom who like sees, where i'm at now and she like thinks back she goes even just like eight months months ago ago, yeah eight months ago or something like that she's like you were just not feeling feeling it like you you were okay but like you just you felt uncomfortable in your own skin and i'm like that's exactly where i was
1: i agree i've seen a change in Mm -hmm. you and because i the and like obviously again like we have those moments but i feel like seeing it from the outside like those moments of um, like despair and like annoyance or depression they're fewer and far between they and they are. don't last as long Correct. and you know how to mm. cope and you know how to process your emotions and you can yes. bring yourself out of that
0: mm-hmm. like even a thought I had before we got uh, here today like I was like sort of like puzzling in my mind. Like, how are we going to like, how's this going to like work? How are we? And I'm like, future I've, and I've had a conversation with both <laughs> of these people before. Like, it's not going to be anything out of the ordinary. Like, I trust myself knowing that I can do it now. Like, but like a year ago, I'd be like, no, I can't even do it. I, I'm sick. Sorry. Like, yeah. I just would have even had like the... Same. The, the, the know-how and the comp the faith in myself yeah know?
1: and look at us now look at us yeah. we carried on a conversation for over look at us now wow, wow. <laughs> i know i think
2: i uh, i just wanted to say something about something um, about about the um
1: and I, I, was, I was
2: honestly i was like honestly thinking the same thing i'm like it's it's been a journey for me to feel comfortable within myself and trust myself mm-hmm. i think self-trust has been a really big one because i think when you are using mm self-trust, like basically every single person that comes to me, I think like the common denominator, there's a lot of common denominators, but like one of them is like self-trust and self is just shot. It's like, it doesn't exist. So yeah. the ability to like carry on forward and trust in yourself to be able to carry on this task or keep to this plan or commit to myself or commit to something sort of bigger is just like it's shot. So you end up sort of like really stuck in life. And so I think building self-trust has been something that I did with Ken and I do with a lot of my clients. Then um, Just like you said, like it's so nice to hear you say that it's like. You know, like you start, you, you sort of oh, look our brains, always fucking, what were you telling you? the fruits? What was it? future? What would you say before? I like that term. What was it future, future tripping, future tripping, future tripping. I love that ruminating, fixating, uh, future tripping, um, spiraling. Yes. Like it happens all the time and it's not about becoming a perfect, yeah. um, uh, robot cyborg, it's about <laughs> understanding yourself well enough that you can catch yourself in those moments, speak to yourself. Like, nurture yourself, really. I like this idea of, like, self-nurturing as well. Um, this idea of, like, yeah. um, I'm here to hold myself now. I I can now give myself all the things that I need that I might have not done when I was love that. You know what I mean? And so I think that um, that really resonates for me in, like, the mm-hmm. latest work I've been doing in my life um, around sort of, like, really understanding my childhood and my relationship with my mother and um, my um, inner child. So, sort of, like, a lot of inner child work and, like, understanding that, Yes, there were some things that I didn't get when I was young, but I am now a fully grown adult and I can now give myself everything that I need. Um, and it's a really powerful yes. stance to understand because I can actually exist in the world. and I don't need constant reassurance and validation externally to tell me that I'm okay and that I'm lovable and that I'm worthy. Yes. Um, so I think that's like a really important space to get to. And this is all like... If anyone's listening, like, these are, like, all of us have now been away from, like, hard drugs for many, many years. And, like, this is work that is, I'm literally still doing this, like, despite what I do, I'm still doing, like, this is all current, this is all work I've done in the last month on myself. So the journey continues, just the journey continues. Mm-hmm. And you get in the way and you lose your way, you just reinvest, you just keep going, because it's all you can do, really. Yeah.
1: mm mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, sorry, real quick, it's just crazy that you brought up the self-trust because last episode that we recorded, we were um, talking about resolutions for the new year and my one resolution was to trust myself more this year because I feel like that's something I'm really lacking. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I, because I had this relationship with myself for so long where I couldn't. And now it's just really hard like to Feel like I can, even though I've been sober for six years. I'm just starting now to get to the point where I'm realizing, oh, I better like I have to, I have to um, do something about this. Like things just keep coming up, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I keep yes. finding and discovering like things that I uh, have the privilege, I guess, to work on. And I just, I think it's funny yeah. that that came up. Mm-hmm. That I don't think it's a coincidence. Do I- but do you want to tell too. us um how you um how you find
2: to work on your self-trust this year tell us
1: so actually there my is. sponsor and i just talked about it uh this morning so uh, we had talked about journaling ken and i so that i could channel my thoughts so i can see like how i'm showing up for myself and sh- my sponsor suggested i carry around a notebook and throughout the day write down um what I'm sensing and feeling like if I'm in a particular situation like what do I smell what do I see what like all all those things so that I have so it's not just floating around up, up here because I think I get jumbled so mm-hmm. that's my concrete way of like seeing like what is happening within you and that's how I plan to do it
2: nice yeah nice very cool I think I'm also what do just you think having... about that uh... <laughs> No, I think that's good. I think, I think the way that I like to go about this idea of self-trust is, so I think that um, what happens when we're using is that like, you keep on breaking promises to yourself, right? It's like, you keep on like, you're like, I'm not going to drink again. And you keep on, you drink. I'm not going to drink again. I'm going to drink. So like, if you had a friend, if you just like, (laughs) yeah. And then, so if you're going to, if you've had a friend, like if you you pictured it, if you visualize it as like two people engaging, like that would be a loss of trust, right? That would be like a huge loss of trust because what you said you were going to do, you didn't do. So I think that to reverse that, it comes into actually doing the things you say you're going to do. Um, and they can be really, really small. But I think that's why I like, and Ken can tell you this. Like a big part of my coaching, and this is why, I like I consider myself to be a life coach above anything else, is like very much around like planning strategy. What are we going to do in the week? Like, how, what are we going to achieve this week? What are we going to achieve next week? And I think that setting those mm-hmm. things concretely and then actually carrying them through is what self trust looks like. Um, so that's my yeah. um, uh, little bit of advice to you. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like I said I was going to do this. Oh and yeah. I did a, wow. I said I was going to do it and I did it. Wow. And so, like, and they can, those things can get bigger and bigger and bigger, but they can actually be really, really small at the beginning. They can literally be like, I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk tomorrow. Um, and you tick it off your list and oh, like, yeah. you just build. It's almost like you got like a little, a little bit of a, a little bit of self trust um, coins in your, in your, in your real life game. You know, that's like, that's, that's my avenue, really, I think.
1: I love it. Yeah. Just <laughs> manageable things that, that you can do on the daily.
0: That's, that's pretty much how, like, Andrew was saying, that's how, like, we started. Mm-hmm. Like, I did little things, like, I took a walk in the morning, and then it went into, like, signing up for the gym, which was terrifying to me. I loathed it. But, I mean, I did it. And then, like, I started going, and then I started doing, like, the meals, and then I, I just have maintained that. And, like, it's become something that I think that's been, like, the change, really, is I have this, like, trust in myself now that... Mm-hmm.
1: And you can do it.
0: Yeah, and I know I can. And yeah. I, and I, on the flip side, I know if I can't. So like, I don't strive for these things that are not meant for me. You yet. don't hold
1: yourself to such yeah. high yes. standards that you're yes. beating yourself up. Yes. Yeah, that's good. right? And then you, then also, I love that word. Yes. That's so like, it's- yeah.
2: It's the, t- it's, it's the two things together. So it's like, it's like the, the building of self-trust, but then also understanding that when your body's telling you, I can't do it. And also finding an internal dialogue and narrative that allows you to just, like, build okay yourself with in that, that moment and understand. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's both sides, I think are really powerful. And I think I like to lean into, as Ken was saying, it's all stuff around, like, self-care. It's like, because I see that as like mm-hmm. the total antidote and opposite of the way we, we were living our lives. Which was total self destruction. Oh yeah. So anything around self care, I think is mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. I think it forms a really good basis um, and a really good, um, uh, like a really good avenue for building up self care. I use a lot of those words all the time. Like I like self self trust, self care, self respect, self nurturing. Because it's like I'm yeah. going to give it all to myself now. I'm going to give it all to myself because I'm capable because I believe it. I believe that I am capable of doing that. Um, and you can ultimately get to a point like Ken was saying, like it just keeps on building until you get to the point where you're like, I can fucking do anything. Nothing's going to stop me. Why would anything, anything I've got it all within me. It's all inside of me. And the crazy thing is it's been there all along. Even when I was, even when I was fucking three years deep into a uh, problem, it was still inside of me. I'm still the exact same person. So that's the powerful bit.
1: Yeah, I feel like emotional right now. I could cry. I won't though. Oh, okay. Sh- <laughs> Not that I'm running away from it. <laughs> so
0: I guess at this point, <sighs> the delay is <laughs> Um, so I guess just because we're about at our an hour and a half, and I don't want to hold you too far past hold them that. Hostage. Um, is there like one last like? little bit that you like live by that you could like share with us that like something that like that we maybe haven't talked about or something to like reiterate that like is like advice to people that might be listening to just like sort of whatever that just something that like sparks you and keeps you going that you would like to share i guess
2: Sure. I mean, um, if we're to imagine who we're talking to, I guess, like either I'm talking to someone who's like still, um, in the throes of like, you know, a problem with drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. Um, or you're in your early stages. And I think that it's important to understand that like, first of all, you're not broken, you're not defective. Like get rid of that idea out of your head. Like you are, you have it all within you. Just like I was just saying, like all of us, three of us here have been in as dark a situation as as, as you have been. Uh, and we've all found our way out and it Mm -hmm. hasn't been a quick process I think that process has been if I'm to like take a very high level it's been reconnecting to myself um, and repairing the relationship with myself I think those are like my two phrases I like to do and I think in terms of this concept of reconnection to self which can be very daunting I actually haven't mentioned this sort of like I felt like these ideas of like self-love, self-care, like they're all so foreign to me that like the idea of like loving myself early on was like, what the, what does that even mean? So I think that a really good avenue to that (laughs) is sort of like the cornerstone of my coaching is like through your body, right? Like reconnection to self by reconnecting to your body. So learn about how to look after yourself, right? I think that when we're using, um, we forget how to look after ourselves. It's like, we do the opposite. We like self-destruct. So I think that, um, I want you to learn mm-hmm. how to look after yourself, learn how to look after your health. Just do the smallest little thing. Honestly, walking, this is Ken's thing. Like walk. go for If you put it in your calendar, you're going to go for a walk every morning. It can literally change your life, right? Because you are outside, you mm-hmm. are in nature. Like, you're connect, You're finally connecting, right? You're finally connecting with the world. And you also are building a little bit of self-trust and self-belief to then relay into more complicated things. Small, but just change it up. Change it up. Change it up. And I think your body and your health are the best avenues. The rest of the work can be done later on, but, um, and just continue. Like, honestly, at this point, my body, I mean, I'm like, I'm very fit. Um, I, uh, go to the gym, I do yoga, I do all the things. And I really feel like my body is like my force field against the world. Like it's my shield. Like, I, I feel like I have like an incredible amount of self-belief and self-trust because I am strong and fit and like, I just feel like I'm capable of anything. So, um, and so are you. So, are you? I was, trust me, I was as dark as you were. So, I think that's the, my, my main, my main point is just look at the re- relationship to yourself um, and then also try and understand, just in terms of the nuts and bolts, like what role is the alcohol or the drugs playing in your life? Just try and understand that. The more you can understand yourself about yourself, the better. I think that's what I'll say. And uh, you got this.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh Thank you. I
1: love it. Yeah.
0: This was great. Uh, this
1: was amazing. I, it has been such a a freaking pleasure talking to you thank you so, <laughs> thank much, you so much for coming yes. on and, yes. and talking to us um can you tell us what your tiktok username is so that people can check you out and-
2: yeah sure so um, first of all it's been an absolute pleasure and i've been looking forward to this and um you're both absolute sweethearts i mean ken's just like the biggest light <laughs> in my life oh. Ken, you're like an absolute you're like an absolute angel and um mine too I have, I have been, like, <laughs> Can, can I have Ken sort of like finishes off my week, uh, not finishes, but he's like one of my last clients in the week, and I'm just like I always look forward to it. I know it's going to be like an uh, 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 eye open. It just it's going to be like just a cute, sweet, um, uh, phone call with like someone who's just like wearing to go, and you're always me with like open eyes. It's just really you're really sweet, and uh, Aaron, you're also really a uh, real sweetheart. And I'm happy we got to meet, yeah. um, and I love what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. Yes. Like this is huge. You're, you're doing you're do, you're really doing it. Like you're doing you're doing exactly what you should be doing, which is like reaching out and touching people. Um, so yeah, so I'm on TikTok um, at Andrew Moses, underscore coach. Um, I am there all the time. I try and post every single day or like I post like five times a week, um, with really useful stuff. You can sort of like, you got a big taste of like my, uh, my sort of philosophy, but like, I just sort of like almost like share bite-sized pieces of this, like up to three minutes, um, and it's really useful and go and engage. You can go to the comments. You can, you can, you can even reach out to me if you want. Um, if you do want to reach out to me, um, more personally, you can reach out. Instagram is a good, I'm on Instagram as well, but I just repost TikTok on Instagram because Instagram sucks. So um, <laughs> Instagram is just so, unsatisfying. so I just, I just repost, I just repost, um, my TikToks on Instagram, but you, uh, I, I post stories as well. So you can get insight into my personal life. Um, and you can also DM me there, um, or you could, there's a form on my uh, page. You can click on that. Um, and I'm working on a website at the moment, so it should be up soon, but, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Both of them Ooh, are under both. Oh, Andrew, perfect. Under- yeah.
0: Nice. It's been, okay, um, perfect. The, the website's awesome. been... Um, thank you. The,
2: yeah, website's thank been you. A while, the website's been a while in the making, but um, I'm getting there slowly.
0: There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Oh,
1: yep, exactly. Hi. That's our <laughs> mantra.
0: Yeah, really, though.
1: <laughs> well, uh, once again, thank you so much. Yes. I hope we get to talk again really soon. And with that, we want to say, keep going,
0: keep growing and keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. All right. Keep going, honey. And keep going. Okay.
1: Yes, I love it. How do we stop? <laughs> Just, we hey, thanks for listening. If you have any recommendations on topics that you'd like to hear us discuss, or if you'd like to share your gratitude with us, send us an email at podcast, perfection at gmail.com. See you next time.